episode 386, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Welcome to Level 7. A podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello, everyone. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. We are here to talk about Wakanda forever, which is, is it the end of the uh, phase four or is it? Yes. Yeah. So we're here to talk about that. And I am here with Samantha right over here sitting to my left. Hello. And Stuart over here sitting to my right. Hello. And you probably didn't even notice that when I was introducing them, I was actually looking the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking to my right when I introduced Samantha. Oh, that's fine. Great I would have done the radio same thing. <laughs> Great radio. Hey, this is the Marvel Cinematic Universe unofficial podcast. We are talking about this movie. So if you are joining us for the first time ever, our spoiler policy is this. On an episode like this, we usually talk about things without spoiling things. Uh, for this movie and then we play a warning to let you know that we're going to jump in deep with the spoilers and we also will talk about everything everything is game for us to talk about if we've already talked about it on the podcast so we will not be talking about the final couple episodes of she-hulk for example or uh, the last <laughs> or i am groot <laughs> We will not spoil I Am Groot for anyone. I promise. No, I Am Groot spoilers. And also, <laughs> we will not be talking about, um, you know, like the final season of all the Netflix series. So there's that. That, <sighs> that new listeners is a deep cut. Deep cut. Just gloss over it. Thank you for joining us. We Let's still do- haven't even finished Runaways or Punisher. <laughs> we will not be talking about those as well. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> But we will be talking about, I'm sure uh, we'll be talking about some stuff with uh, maybe Endgame or Infinity War. Definitely the first Black Panther movie we probably will bring up. But primarily, obviously, we will be talking about Wakanda forever. And yeah, I like to start movie conversations talking about the movie experience. So let's let's start there. Stuart, when did you see this? Where did you see this? Uh, okay, so I went with my wife and oldest, and we went to our local movie theater in town, um, which is not an AMC or a Cinemark. <laughs> it is an independent theater. Yeah, that's an important detail because that means your movie going experience was already better than mine. Are you? Because I well, saw it at AMC and well, just keep going. We'll get to it. <laughs> Okay, uh, I did have a three, no, two Southwest commercials and three Samsung commercials. And the Samsung commercials were the same commercial three times in a row, which was really fun. But then anyway, we got to get the popcorn and everything. And then train of thought just derailed. Where's Bing Bong? Yes. Okay. So, <laughs> and it, we 
We enjoyed it. I knew that it was going to be sad, but I had not watched any other trailers. So I didn't know about like what else was going to happen. I only watched the first um, No Woman, No Cry trailer, which set the tone for me in the right way. And then the night before, my oldest and I watched uh, the Black Panther from 2018. And other than that, I thought it was a really good... A uh, non-spoilery sort of rating, probably a good four and a half out of five stars. There were some things that we'll get into that I thought were a little bit off, but not nearly enough to 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 be hazardous or anything like that. So, all right, Samantha, what was your movie-going experience like? Well, I went to my local Regal Cinemas, and um, I wasn't actually unhappy with this viewing, and not for the movie's fault. So the trailers were way loud. Like, my husband left the theater, went next door to the Dollar Tree, and got earplugs. They were so loud. And I even went and complained about the sound, and not just the sound, the picture was also fuzzy, too. Slightly. But just not quite crisp enough. (laughs) And... I complained about it and nothing was done about it. And we had to wear earplugs all the way through the trailers. But one of, one of the trailers featured a whole bunch of people talking to each other with these famous one-liners from all these different types of movies. And Danny Trejo showed up in it. So that was fun. Um, and I didn't did enjoy the movie. It's just... It's slightly fuzzy. I just, I was like, I know they can adjust it. And I went and I talked to the teenager at the, uh, the, where you get your popcorn. And he's like, okay, I'll go talk to it. And then he just disappeared somewhere in the back. And I'm like, I'm never going to see or hear from him ever again. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to go do nothing. (laughs) But uh, my husband was there. He liked the movie. And so that was my experience this time. So my experience was we were going to go not to the big chain theater. We planned to go to one of the $5 cash only theaters that I have the one closest to us that I can walk to in 10 minutes. That one didn't have a Thursday show. We were definitely going to a Thursday show. And I took my, my four oldest, um, my youngest stayed home with my wife and we went, we drove over to the theater in Bremen, uh, 10 minutes away, and walk in. And I said, I need f- five tickets for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I had cash to pay for it because I made a special trip to the ATM to get cash because cash only. Although they, I guess they have started accepting cards, but it's really like they're just doing it on their phone. You know, <laughs> like it's the, <laughs> the square or PayPal little swiper on the phone. But, and she just looked at me just with utter shock, like, oh no, like she was so concerned. And then I found out that we were there an hour late. So it started at six, not at seven. So we go out and I'm like, okay, we're driving 20 minutes, I guess now to go to the (laughs) AMC. And the only show that we could get in was 3d. So I went from a $5 cash only ticket to a 10 or $11 ticket per kid and me, there's five of us. So suddenly it went from $25 to 50. My kids are like, it's okay, dad. It's okay. We'll, we'll pay you back for these tickets. We, you know, we'll, we'll pay for our own tickets. 
And I'm just like, yeah, right. Yeah, that's that's not happening. I know that's not going to happen. Uh, do you know how much they've paid me back? Zero dollars. None. They have not. They have not paid <laughs> me back at all. So, uh, and but with their love, they've paid you back, Ben. <laughs> yeah, some of my daughter's friends are listening right now, and I don't want to throw my daughters under the bus, but there they are on the ground, and there's a bus. So, but uh, anyway, don't worry. Your daughter's not going to hear about it. They don't care. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, we went and saw it in 3D then. And uh, the the thing that was bad about the experience really was I just can't stand that AMC commercial with Nicole Kidman. I just can't stand it. I despise this thing because it's like, you're we're already there. You don't have to sell me on coming to the theater experience. We're there. We're sitting there with you, Nicole Kidman. And we have given money to the theater to give money to the giant corporations who made that trailer featuring you, rich lady. Like, I just feel like (laughs) come to AMC and experience the theater so I can get paid more money, too. And I just... It just bugs me. And I, it probably shouldn't bug me as much as it does, but it does. <laughs> Have you seen the Saturday Night Live commercial uh, parody that they did? Of that commercial? Of that, yeah. No, I, I didn't. Okay, well, it's it's a thing. It's a little bit funny. It's mildly amusing, but mm. yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention in mind that my experience that um, we were originally going to go on Friday, but we had... A tropical storm with some tornado watches going on, so we decided to wait, and we went on Monday at two o'clock, and we had the whole theater to ourselves. So that was nice. But yeah, now you were messaging us when you went to the theater, and you were grumpy, and now I understand why you were so grumpy. Because you had to pay twice as much, you had to drive 20 minutes away. No, we, we had to drive an extra 20 minutes. An extra 20 minutes. We had already driven 10 minutes in the right direction. So that was in our favor. But yeah. uh, I was. And the trailers, I'm at a point now where, so my local theaters, they'll do like two or three trailers. And I'm like, this is not, I'm just turning into a grumpy old man. Like I am willing to give up the awe and wonder of the giant theater with a giant sound system. Although my local theaters have done something with their sound systems to make it better since, and we've talked about this, but um I if I can walk to the theater, pay five bucks, sit down, watch my movie, and leave, I it's it's great. And and two trailers, that's all I need. Give me two trailers. Uh, I I'm starting to get more and more. Like I sit there, I go through the first two trailers, and then I start to get impatient, and then I start to get grumpy, and then I start to sigh out loud. A commercial or a trailer will start, and I'll just be, ugh. And then my kids know I've reached my point, and then. After that, there'll be two more trailers and then Nicole Kidman. And so it's just <laughs> 25 minutes of that to get into the movie. Uh, yeah. Your, you said your theater was uh, was empty, though, Samantha. Uh, Stuart, how was your theater? Uh, it was fairly full. It was a Sunday afternoon. So um, the, first, the first showing of that movie on Sunday. So you had the after church crowd. I'd say it was... Probably 25 people in there. It feels like how, about how much we had. And I don't know if it's because, I mean, it was Thursday night. That's why the local theater, we went and saw at that theater on a Friday night. We went and saw um, Uncharted. And there were so many 
loud, obnoxious teenagers in the theater. Like it was really bad to the point where the theater manager actually came down there in the middle of the movie and yelled at them (laughs) and then walked out and then came back in and sat down in the middle of all of them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it wasn't your average crowd of just like, we are here to see a movie. It was, it really was obnoxious. But I felt like, hey, it's Thursday night. It won't be a lot of kids because it's Thursday night. It's a school night. Uh, there's no there's no holiday attached to this. This is perfect timing. I mean, it's got these couple weekends and then it'll get the, I think, I hope the Thanksgiving weekend boost as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, so my theater, there was, I think there was maybe 25 people in there, but it was Thursday night, 7.30 show, 3D. I, I don't know what the other, the other... Uh, How was the 3D conversion? You know, it wasn't bad. It did not distract me. Okay. And yeah, I I didn't mind it. Uh, obviously, we've talked about 3D on this be- on this podcast before. I don't like the extra money just for the 3D. Um, but I am excited. Uh, honestly, better 3D was in the Avatar trailer. Uh... And. Sorry, that's my grown out loud movie that I That 3D was something else. And I'll be seeing Avatar in 3D, I think. Really? Mhm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Uh, the first Avatar when it came out, I only I've only seen the movie once. Okay? And I saw it in 3D and I'm like I'm not going to experience this again because I'm not going to watch this on 2D on a small TV. There's just no reason to. The first Avatar, The World the immersion was the real draw. You know, yeah. the story wasn't, the characters weren't necessarily, no. <laughs> but there's one, one or two moments with the characters, but yeah. So I want to see what, if, if it lives up to what it had been way back when, uh, when it, when that was one of the first 3d movies that I went and saw in the theater in 3d, I think up might've been the actual first one though. I think I saw Up as a 3D movie before. I can't remember now. That was early too. But anyway, 3D wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It wasn't a movie made for 3D with lots yeah. of stuff to throw at you in 3D. And I didn't really feel like there was a whole lot of depth in the scenes that you would have expected to have lots of depth in. Where, you know, like the big scenes, um, the big landscapes and those kind of things. But it was, it was fine. It was good. There you go. So, Samantha, did you give a star rating? How many, how many? uh, Oh, we're doing uh, star ratings already? Well, yeah, for our spoiler-free people. Ah, spoiler-free, huh? Okay. Um, hmm. Give me a moment to think about this, please. Okay. Uh, I will look up mine. I think I gave it four stars. I don't think I gave it four and a half. Um, but you gave it uh, four and a half. Is that what you would say, uh, Stuart? Yeah, I mean, four and a half, I think, is is legit. Five, I mean, I don't know. I enjoyed the movie. I I think it's probably one of the better made Marvel Cinematic Universe films 
Ryan Coogler is a an amazing director and deserves all of the accolades that he's been receiving. Um, the script was well done, although do, I do have a couple of questions about it. But overall, I think it was it was very well made. It hits you in the right. It hits you in the right feels. So, and I'll also say uh, to piggyback on what you're saying about Ryan Coogler, this movie felt emotional. This movie yeah. felt like one of the most genuine, genuinely artistic expressions in the MCU. There is a lot of emotional stuff happening in the MCU, but it always to me feels it's feels like it's uh it's not quite melodrama, but it comes close. You know there's a it feels like there's a, a, a distance. Like we are supposed to feel emotional here, so therefore we feel some sort of emotion. In in uh, let's take Endgame, right? You're not Endgame. Infinity, Infinity War. War. You're supposed to sort of have that shock of everybody getting blipped, right? Like that's supposed to happen. It happened organically, but over ten years, right? This felt like kind of almost raw emotional. I'd say what comes close is Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn definitely putting a lot of himself into the movie. Yeah. Uh but this even then of course I <laughs> whenever Yondu dies, I've heard people talk about how that's a really emotional experience for them and for me it just plain wasn't. This movie felt emotionally raw it felt like a, an emotional response to real world events yes yes and it felt real like it felt yeah it, i i think real it felt like a genuine artistic emotional creation genuine is the right is a is a very accurate word to describe it it's it's you like i said you get the sense that Every single one of the actors in the movie um, and everyone behind the movie, everyone who made the movie was doing it from a sense of, of mourning, a sense of loss, a sense of joy, a sense of all of those emotions that you just can't do anything with um, except to express them. And, and I'll say this, like, Again, without spoiling, this movie is about grief and this movie is about mm -hmm. legacy and this movie is about blowing things up big. And this movie, like it, it hits all these things, but it feels like uh, it, it works. It works. And so well, even though I give it only four stars, I give it four stars because, again, we're talking about uh, – style and character and plot and themes and, and and fun and enjoyment, you know, and those are some things that I take into consideration. Uh, there were some things with some of the characters where I'm like, eh, okay. You know, and, and the movie brought me along, but I just don't, I don't rank it as high as the first Black Panther or as, as high as some of the other uh, Marvel movies. So I would put it probably if I'm looking at my list here, which I have my handy dandy list. I have not put it in there yet. 
I was thinking about this. It's probably in the top 10 or 15. Probably in the top 10, but I don't think it would break the top five. And yeah, and so in my list, there's 37 right now movies from the MCU. Movies only. Mm -hmm. I'm not including D uh, Disney Plus shows, which maybe we should. But are you are you including Werewolf by Night in this? No, but maybe I should. Well, that'd that's be, gonna that'd be high up there, man. Oh, I was gonna word. say it's probably number one for you. <laughs> not number one. No, I mean Shang Chi <laughs> is still up there with number one, but it might move to number two because uh, Captain America, uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier is number two for me. Black yeah. Panther is number three, and but I I'm definitely in the top ten with with. Uh, with this, I think it would probably fit in after Infinity War at number seven and before Civil War at number eight. What was the runtime on Werewolf by Night? Uh, it was 55 minutes, I think. Ah, so it's technically a short. Yeah, it's not a feature for sure. Yeah. So it would not fall into the feature film category with everything else. It's, now, it's yeah. The, the reason I have 37 instead of 30 is because Morbius is in there, Venom, and Venom, whatever the second one, Let There Be Carnage is in there, along with all five of the other Spider-Man movies, because all of those things are now part of the, the MCU multiverse. So the MCM. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So that's I, I that's probably where I would place it. It's it is good. It is a strong, strong movie. And we all, I think, had emotional responses to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have to make excuses for any you know, <laughs> leaky things on my face, except for my runny nose. I was making excuses <laughs> for that. But yeah. it, it was hard not to have an emotional response to this. I will say, if, if you're listening to this now and you still have not seen this movie, I will warn you, you just bring some tissues with you, just in case. Because... As Ben said before, they are the actors were coming from a real world emotional place playing these characters who were going through a very similar process of grief. Not not the same things, but they were still dealing with their grief. So bring your tissues. Because <laughs> I got my sleeves all dirty with my yeah. <laughs> So Samantha, what are what is your what is your rating? Um, with the way we categorize everything, I got four and a half, but my gut feeling says a four. So I think I'm going to average it out and say 4.25. Cause there were some, some technical things I think had a lot to do with that had to do with continuity and editing that I had issues with, which I will get into later. But, I mean, otherwise, I really loved this movie. It was great. And I wish I could have gone back and watched it again. I mean, I could have, but I didn't. Because I would have had to pay again. Mm -hmm. But I have a feeling I, I will enjoy it more on the second watch. Yeah. I mean, I think it's going to... I've also heard rumors that it's going to be on Disney+. Plus. Not, like, immediately. But, you know, sooner rather than later. Oh, about six weeks? If not that long. Okay. All right. So 
I did add into my list, and it definitely was in the top ten. I but I did stick it where I said I was going to put it. Um, and I also added in Werewolf by Night <laughs> at spot number four. Ooh. Oh. Okay. So it goes Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, Black Panther, Werewolf by Night. You guys, if you don't want to count that, that's fine. You don't have to. But Werewolf by Night, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange, Infinity War, Wakanda Forever, Civil War, Endgame, Spider-Man 2, Captain America First Avenger is in the 13th spot here. Avengers Age of Ultron is in 14th. Guardians of the Galaxy in 15th. Spider-Man, 16th. Spider-Man Homecoming, 17th. Ant-Man and the Wasp, 18. Ant-Man, The Avengers, The Amazing Spider-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Thor, Love and Thunder, Eternals, that's 24 right there. Iron Man 3, that's 25. Thor Ragnarok, Far From Home, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Thor, Spider-Man 3, Venom, Venom, Let There Be Carnage, Three things in common right there. That's all three of the Venom movies. Uh, Iron Man is at 35. (laughs) Thor the Dark World is at 36. Iron Man 2, 37. The Incredible Hulk is at 38. And in the 39th spot with two and a half stars out of five, Morbius. Thor Dark World still really high in your list, and you push that a little bit further down. Yeah, you know, it's it's a it's an opinion, right? <laughs> that it is. Opinions are like elbows. Everybody, everybody has, has two one, of them. Everybody has one or two, and they bend. So. Ooh. <laughs> okay, can we play the spoiler organ now? All right. Yeah. So I think we'll play the spoiler organ. We definitely all recommend the movie. I think I should also ask this. Uh, do you recommend theater streaming or just watching it, you know, whenever you can get to it? Oh, that's a good question. And I'm going to say theater. For sure. I I'm going to say theater. Theater, but as long as it's a, it's a theater where the volume's not too loud and the, <laughs> the projector is in focus. And it's on an AMC theater, so you don't have to watch the Nicole Kidman. <laughs> oh, my word. I I felt like walking out, but I didn't. I, okay, so all of that stuff aside, I, I it's, a, it's a big movie that requires some big um, – it requires it to be big. There's so, – yeah, big moments, widescreen yeah. moments. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. There's if you, I mean, if if you're one of those people that has a, you know, built-in projector and 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 a theater in your house, then maybe your house is fine. But to me, it's it's a. But then I only go to the movies to see MCU movies anymore. So, <laughs> well, that's that's definitely a problem. You should have seen Top Gun in the theater. We did see Top Gun in the theater. Okay, that's, well, that's good. That's the that's the one caveat, and it's still playing at our theater, so I could go see it again if I wanted to. Um, I mean, theaters but, are in a weird spot right now, where you have mm-hmm. like Black Panther, you have Top Gun, uh, Black Adam, which uh, I gave it three stars, but that one was okay. But uh, I would say I Black Adam is not a what. 
I have no desire to see Black Adam. But if I did, is it a, is it a theater movie or is it a? I'd say whatever? I'd say watch it at home. Only if you already have the service that it's streaming on. This is not one that I would say you have to rush out to see unless you like The Rock or you like the character. I was I lucked out because I also really like Doctor Fate as a character, and I now, just is that Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah. And I would say every character, I was more interested in their stories than I was in Black Adam himself. Uh, I just, he didn't connect with me. He did great. The Rock was great as the character. He did a great job, but he didn't connect with me. But Dr. Fate did. And his, if you take the movie and it's the Dr. Fate movie, that portion of it, that's him. I loved his, his story arc. So I dig Pierce Brosnan. Who's my favorite Bond? So, all that said, are you ready to spoil this movie? Yes. Stuart, you ready? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Spoilers. 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 All right, all bets are off. We're allowed to talk about anything within our policy, which means we get to talk about this movie uh, in depth and go in detail. And I would like one of you to pick a quadrant that you would like to talk about. We can talk about the plot. We can talk about the style. We can talk about the themes. We can talk about the characters. Where do you want to start? Do you have a preference? Hmm. Where to start? I'll let you choose. Ladies first. Story, because I feel like we that's a good place to start. Yeah, okay. So the yeah. story of this movie is very simple. The leader of Wakanda has died, and the from other a, From leaders, a death that he kept from everybody, just about. Well, okay, so there's real-world stuff from... Like, that was the interesting thing, is as they're talking about that. That's what happened with... With Chadwick Boseman. Most people yeah. didn't know he was dealing with the illness that he was dealing with. And he was intentionally keeping it to himself, being private about it and not making a big deal about it. And uh, the difference is in Wakanda Forever, the, there were people around him who could have possibly healed him. And they were upset that he didn't let them know about it because they wanted to have the chance to save him. And by the time they found out about it, it was too late. And yeah. Um, so before I saw the movie, I saw an, an interview with Ryan, or I'm sorry, I read an, an interview with Ryan Coogler, and he talked about that this was not the original script for Wakanda Forever. The original one, of course, had T'Challa in it, and um, he spoke to Chadwick Boseman about the script and said, do you want to read this before I send it to the studio? And Chadwick, who he said sounded a little tired on the phone, said, no, don't worry about it. Send it in. And two weeks later, Chadwick had passed away. And Ryan had no clue. Um, and so, of course, that script has been put aside. Um, and so this is in a completely different story. And I was like, oh my gosh, that, so I can see where this is like the next chapter in that story. But I also was like, sort of like, I kind of wanted to read that script that he originally wrote. And so 
I sent a message to Marvel and I said, could you please take that script that he wrote before Chadwick, that Ryan wrote before Chadwick passed away and turn it into a comic? You might have to adjust it here and there, but it would be nice to know that story too. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see it. And sometimes that does happen. I like that when they take movies that didn't happen and actually turn them into comic books. That's yeah. a, a fun thing. Um, I'm curious. Like the original George Lucas Star Wars. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I am curious how many elements did come over. Like, did the, the Namor stuff, did that, was that in there? Uh, I heard that one of the things that would dealt with was the aftermath of the blip. And and dealing yeah. with having been gone for five years, and and coming back, uh, what's interesting to me is if you look at maybe we're talking about character here rather than uh, than plot, but if you look at the arc for Black Panther, he's in uh, Civil War, then he's in Black Panther, and then he's in Infinity War Endgame. And that's the last we see him is is being part of the big battle at, at, of Endgame, if you don't include What If. Uh, but I was thinking how jarring it would be to just watch the two Black Panther movies back to back, where you have this movie that's all about him. And I, I just thought the the end of Black Panther, where we're going to let ourselves be seen by the world, we're going to help the world, we're going to let the world share in our technology and everything like that. Um and then to come in and and he's passed away or passing away like they they're trying to save him and we come in, in into the middle of all of that and it's just this hugely emotional uh, moment in time and i mean that's kind of how life is though sometimes right you make a plan to do a big thing to do you know move to a new house get married, whatever, and life happens. And sometimes on some random Tuesday, you get hit by a car. I mean, that I found that very interesting. Yeah, well, and, again. and it's not but, just like, like right after that happened, you know, it's not like, I mean, there's what, seven, eight years between the two Black Panther movies. Right. And, and so it's just this, very interesting place to come into this movie is, is this moment in time where he's apparently on an operating table somewhere or in, in some room, you know, and, and uh, Shuri, Shuri is trying to, trying to save him, doing everything she can to save him by, by recreating synthetically the plant mm -hmm. that gives, gives their powers. And you know, story-wise, it's an interesting piece to use because the plant is gone at the end of Black Panther. Yeah. And no one else can do it again. And so here she is trying her only hope at bringing him back to life again. Because he died in Black Panther. And so now they're trying to bring him back to life again. And it makes sense that that would be a MacGuffin to use to try and bring him back to life. And and then it becomes a, a plot element for this movie is, you know, what do we do about the Black Panther legacy? 
while the plant is needed for the actual Black Panther legacy. Although it would have been interesting to have her become Black Panther without using the plant, but you wouldn't have gotten her visiting the ancestor realm. Yeah. If if it had just been, I'm going to create a cool suit that gives me all the power. And <laughs> But if she is nothing without the suit, that's, she's nothing at all. That's true. That's true. Yeah, that's, that's why the Wakandans had that test where um, – the Black Panther would have his powers taken away from him, and then he would go head to head with whoever wanted to challenge him. That's that. I felt like that was why they had that challenge was to make sure that whoever is king and bl- oh, the Black yeah. Panther is worthy of those roles. Oh yeah, I mean that's I I, I agree with you. I think that's um, a, a thing that was set up in the Black Panther in the first movie and uh, makes a lot of sense because you don't, you know, it's like uh, the Captain America thing, right? Um, You want people with good hearts, not just soldiers. Yeah. Yeah. And that moment where Angela Bassett first appears on screen. Oh man. uh, She just walked in and I just lost it because well, one, she's a great actress, and two, she was also coming from, again, a realistic place of, of grief. Not realistic, mm-hmm. just a real place of grief. And, oh, man. Yeah, everybody in, in our in, in our theater lost it. I mean, I don't think, well, I don't know everybody, but I know I did, <laughs> and I know my wife did. And <laughs> I looked over at her, and she's crying, and she looked over at me, and then my oldest hands me tissues. And it's like... <laughs> But yeah, it, that whole that whole situation, that whole first scene. Um, I, I think if you started the movie in any other spot, it would have been disrespectful. Um, well, I was I was surprised that they started it so close to point of death. You know, I thought that they might start it where he had been gone for a while, or start with the funeral. Like I actually, I think I really expected them to open with the funeral. We'd seen funeral shots in the trailer, and and I expected it to open with the funeral. And instead, they open with this. And this is this. What this gives us, though, is an inlet into Shuri's mindset. Yes. Yeah. And opening on a funeral doesn't allow us to break with her. Because yeah, we all we all broke with Angela Bassett, but her, you know, uh, trying fruitlessly to solve the thing and print the thing and do the thing, tech the tech, um, knowing that it's just not going to work, I, I think played on a lot of levels. And then when they bring Angela Bassett in, it just completely demolishes everything um, or everyone's emotions. That's the genius that Ryan Coogler brought that I think um, is finding that little bit of storytelling to just push the people over the edge to get them to where you want them to be to follow the rest of the movie. Because it's Shuri's movie. That's yes. the great thing about this. Yes. Movie. It is Shuri's movie. It's not, it's not, it, it starts off being. We're really sad about Chadwick Boseman. We're really sad about T'Challa. It ends up going into, very quickly, into who is left, who is there, who is picking up the mantle. 
I was really happy to see at the very end when the credits started rolling that Letitia Wright got uh, top billing yes, on this movie. Yes, I was glad to see that, especially after having sat through the movie and seeing this is her movie. I appreciated mm-hmm. also that it was about legacy, but there was in the real world there was a lot of back and forth and and you know who's going to be in the suit, who's in the suit. They they frame the trailer for us so we never actually see someone in the suit. The movie didn't do that. The movie got to a point where they carried her character to the point where she wanted to have, you know, finally step into the suit. And then it, it, that's just what it was. That's just what happened. There wasn't a whole lot of back and forth about, well, who should be in the suit? No one even asked that question. There was no question who in the minds of the people there should be in the suit. It was Shuri. And she carried the movie well. She really, really did. I appreciated the emotional choices from her role. I appreciated the humorous stuff. Uh, there was less humor because of her emotional state, but oh. as she is going through the grieving process and as she is you know, deciding, what am I going to do about the legacy that's left here? And then she loses everything, you know, and she loses, she loses her mother and you have, there's a dichotomy here between Letitia writes Shuri and uh, Scarlet Witch, where they both have a moment where they are face to face with their the person who destroyed their life. For her, it's it's Namor having killed her mom, and for Scarlet Witch, it's it's Thanos, and she's like, "You took everything from me," you know, and it's all about like revenge against him and then it becomes all about revenge against the world almost mm-hmm. you know doing whatever she has to do to get things back in Doctor Strange and the uh, Multiverse of Madness but here in Wakanda Forever it's about Shuri saying okay my brother's gone my mother's gone I am their legacy what am I going to do about that and then stepping into the mantle of the black Panther and then facing down the enemy that she had already said something earlier where she was just angry at the world. And she was angry at the world to the point where she was like, I have to keep going where I want the world to burn, you know, instead of burning the world, she's going to burn Namor. And she literally does. It's kind of funny. He brings it up. You said you let you, you would uh, burn the world. And then, she actually like literally burns him in some ways. And, um, but then she's facing that down and is it a cheesy cliche sometimes where you face down your enemy and choose not to kill them. But this is her character arc is she's deciding who am I going to be? And with him, she's saying, who are you going to be? Who are we going to be? And what is our legacy going to be? If, if it's just war, you know, between us and she chooses to forgive. She chooses that that's where she goes. Instead of I'm going to take revenge, I am going to give grace, you know, and justice is when someone gets what they deserve and she has every right to demand justice, but instead it's it's forgiveness and it's grace and it's, you know. I'm not going to kill you because if I kill you, all that's going to do is make things worse between us and make things worse between our two different sides, which I'm not going to say much about politics, but 
I mean, come on. We've got yeah. we've got two different sides. I I read the comments again on a couple different articles today. And I literally read someone writing the words, she is not human about someone they disagreed with politically. And I'm just, this is what I hate so much about our political state is we dehumanize the other side. And then I'm talking mostly metaphorically. And then you see this person writing, she is not human. And the person she was talking about, the the she that was not human is someone who I guess had done some really awful things. And if half of what it was, was true, it's terrible. It's awful. It's a despicable mindset to have and a despicable person in some ways. But at the same time, she is human and we are products of our environment and our upbringing and we have to learn to be better. But dehumanizing the other side is not going to help you be better and it's not going to help them be better. And that's why I really like this movie and the resolution. Cheesy? Yeah, sure. I don't care. I'm there. it, mm, I don't know if it's cheesy. It, I, I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit. Maybe che- maybe cheesy is the wrong word. Cliche is probably the word I should go with. But it's a well I mean, done cliche. Like they yeah, do it's it a well. Cliche because it works. It's a cliche <laughs> because it needs to work. Like right. it goes in these movies about what it means to be a good person. And 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 you, yeah, so cheesy might be the wrong word. Cliche might be the wrong word. I mean, it's a satisfaction. <laughs> re- it's a satisfactory resolution to a story, and it's a person dealing with their grief and realizing, having a moment of realization that they can be and has to be better than they the person they were five minutes ago. They have to be, or else the the country, the thing that is riding on her shoulders, ceases to exist. And it's not just her choice to do that. It is her riding the legacy of mm-hmm. of T'Challa. That is what T'Challa would have done. That is who he would have been. And she is not him. She can't be him. But she is affected by him. Yeah. And the learning part of that, I mean, we saw T'Challa do it too in Civil War. Yes. Especially yeah, Civil yeah. War. You know, the learning of that is how we grow as human beings. You know, you're not, you, you're never going to be better. You're never going to be a great human being. But can you be better than the person you were five minutes ago? Yes. Can you be better than the person you were yesterday? Yes. And it doesn't have to be, you're all of a sudden perfect. That's not no. going to happen. But I mean, that's, I'm, I'm doing some health things <laughs> It's this free service of a health coach from my insurance company because I don't want to pay as much money on people getting sick. But it comes out as I, I get to benefit from this, but it's all about making small changes towards better, you know? And yeah, and that's what Shuri is doing. Small steps towards better and small steps lead to a, a longer destination for sure. Yeah. So in that moment where Shuri was talking to Namor about, and Namor tells her, oh, I heard what you said, and I heard that you want to burn the world, you could see on her face that, wait, no, I don't want to do that. 
Um, and I think that really speaks uh, well to Letitia's acting abilities. And I think that's also very true because sometimes when you might say th- something or you might not be sure how you feel about something. And then when you're actually faced with what what your choices are, you're like, oh, wait, no, I really don't feel that way about it. Like, say, for example, uh, do I want pizza or do I want spaghetti for dinner tonight? And you can't make up yes. your mind. Or um, or tacos. Let's do pizzas, pizza and tacos. Okay. Um, do I want pizza or tacos? You, you can't make up your choice. Your 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 mind, what you want to do, and then somebody says, "Oh, I want pizza." And then, but in your heart of hearts, you you're like, "No, I really want tacos." And <laughs> I realize that's a really silly comparison to what Sherry was going through because she's grieving her brother and she's feeling that that anger stage. Of her grief. But at the same time, I feel like that's like the closest thing I can get to my point. Um, And so when she's faced with what she said in context of how it would actually affect other people. No, she would not burn the world. She might feel that anger, but she would not burn the world. And... I'm glad that they did that and I'm glad it was done so beautifully and subtly and I'm glad that she Sherry turned Namor around on that on that conversation. Did she? So, yes and no, I think. Like I think she convinced him, but he definitely saw it as, well, I'm going to take advantage of this. At the end like, of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, she she changed him because he was there to help stop the the fighting between the Wakandans and the, oh, it's not the Atlanteans. Um, the Tal, oh gosh. Well, I meant to write the, down the name of the group. And I'll just say, <laughs> I wish it had been Atlantis. But at the same time, I totally get the changes that they made. The things that they did were super interesting to look at and there's a part of me that this is one of those changes to a character that you kind of say to yourself eh could it just been a different character from the start instead of sort of doing it this way it doesn't matter this is not the same name or that you would get in the comics but uh, the talokans t-a-l-o-c-a-n so is Namor from the comics from Atlantis? Yeah, yeah. And it's a very similar background. He's half human, half Atlantean. Uh, so his skin's not blue like theirs. Uh, he has wings on his feet. He has been called then, because he's so different from human and Atlantan, Atlantean, uh, he has been touted as being the first mutant of the Marvel comic universe. But that's something way later where they said, oh, you know what? This guy actually is a mutant and he's our first character or one of our first Marvel characters ever. Uh, his his legacy does go that far back. Like he was in the earliest uh, Marvel comics, even before it was Marvel, uh, along with uh, an early version of Human Torch. That was a different character. But yeah, he he was from Atlantis. He had the wings on his feet. He could fly and breathe underwater. <laughs> 
and he wore although actually I like his his uh green swim trunks better in the movie because uh, normally he's just walking around in a speedo and I just hate <laughs> that character design when he's walk he has a really cool black outfit that has like armpit wings in it and, and it's a kind of 70s vest thing going on I really like that character's uh character design better than his green speedos i just like i cringe every time i see it i'm just like oh it's just in his underwear what's going on here but he's living underwater he doesn't need clothes he doesn't need to stay warm but yeah so some of those elements were the same as far as him being a mutant but his you know his background is very similar to aquaman in, in a lot of ways too so do you feel like they tried to distance Namor, this version of Namor, from the Aquaman? Oh, abso- that was... Absolutely, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's, I feel like, also I feel like the um, having it be... Uh, uh, Mesoamerican? That, thank you, that's the right words. Mesoamerican rather than Atlantean, I think actually works... I mean, I don't have the connection to the character, so I can't like speak to that. But I think having it be another uh, culture we can identify as a culture that's in the real world, I think is very interesting. But also a culture that visually we haven't seen. Well, literally we haven't seen much, but visually the visuals they were able to bring in from right. that Mayan kind of culture with the the different the feathers and the the yeah. uh the serpent imagery and the the scales and and those things and like all of that is very striking very regal mm-hmm. very different and and it created a thing that definitely distances Namor from Arthur and the other thing is Namor in the comics goes between being an anti-hero, an actual hero, and a villain. And so sometimes when he would show up, he would be showing up to conquer the surface world or to get revenge on the surface world. And so those elements were also very much, uh, you know, conceptually from the comics, not specifically, you know, with where they're like, well, the the surface world is coming down for the vibranium. And so they're going to find us. I don't think that was ever an element, but there has always been this element of, I'm here to protect my people and don't get in my way. And he's, you know, he started out as this kind of anti-hero slash villain in these old comics. But when Fantastic Four comes on the scene, he's brought in as as a major antagonist for the Fantastic Four, but also a little bit of a love triangle between uh, him and Sue and Reed, where Sue, he's enamored with Sue. Oh. And he's always you know liked her and i i honestly thought with namor in this movie i wondered are we going to get a you know an early glimpse at at some fantastic four kind of a thing which we didn't but i i wondered if we would because he is and has been a fantastic four character is is namor okay so like green goblin is a spider-man character and Rhodey is uh, an Iron Man character. Is 
Namor a Fantastic Four character? I think so. I think when they were parceling out things, Mm -hmm. I feel like he is considered a Fantastic Four character. But then also, Namor, Submariner, was, when they were parceling out movie rights, uh, I believe that was one that went to Universal. And so I'm That's not I'm not sure there was something to do with man uh, I'm I probably shouldn't even say this cuz I'm going to get it wrong but something to do with the rock or Vin Diesel or someone where there was some some trade happened where Universal traded the rights to to Namor to to Marvel so that I I don't remember exactly how it all worked out but there was something mm. there cuz I do remember back in the day they were talking about uh Universal had the rights to Incredible Hulk and Namor and and you know a handful of other things. But yeah, I I don't think he's a Fantastic Four character in the sense that Doctor Doom and Silver Surfer are Fantastic Four characters. I think he's a Fantastic Four character in the sense that he shows up in those comics and is associated with them, but he's also very much his own character. He's had his own titles for a long long time. So he's his own thing, too. Yeah, I was about to say, wasn't he one of the earliest Marvel characters? Yeah. 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 Like he was one of the first that Stanley and uh, the others created, like even before Spider-Man. Yeah. So, yeah. No, he's he's super early, so. Yeah. Uh, and I thought they did a good job of making him be that do we like him? Do we not like him? Is he, is he a hero? Is he a villain? You know what? He's definitely painted in shades of gray. Um, and some gray is lighter than others. And some gray is darker than others. But he's a gray character. Um, and I thought they did that well towards the end. I definitely turned against him, though. I There, there was a point toward the end of the movie where I'm just... No, he's obviously taking things too far. And... And I can't follow him. I can't follow him as a like a character that I appreciate. Oh no, I don't like him. I don't. I don't want to see. I don't know that I could become a. Um, I don't think he has as much change as say Bucky does, because when we first see you know the Winter Soldier, the greatest Marvel MCU movie yet. <laughs> When we first see the Winter Soldier, he's bad, but then he has this redemptive arc. And so then when we see him again, and when we will see him in Thunderbolts, he's going to be a good guy. I don't think Namor is going to have that. (laughs) I agree. But what makes him, what makes him work as a good guy character in, in in the anti-hero sense is he is doing it for his people. It's to protect his people. It's to protect his his family's legacy. And he's dealing with his own kind of grief. You know, it's obviously a lot longer lived uh, from the point when his when his mother passed away. But um, yeah, he and that's what makes him work as a character. He's not just a mustache twirling villain. He's someone who said, I am going to cross these lines to rescue my people, to save my people, to keep them safe. That I can respect, but it's just, 
I th- he he had a chance to go for diplomacy over war, and he chose war, and that I don't respect. I mean, I but I can still see his arguments for why he wants to protect his people, that he wants to keep them all safe, because right. because his like the Wakandans, uh, his people had also. Uh, been subject to colonization and all the horrors that come with it. So I'm right there. I mean, it would have been an interesting film if he had met T'Challa. Because that's pretty much... T'Challa in the in the first Black Panther movie was pretty much in the same place. And I don't want to share our technology with the world because the world has hurt us in the past. So I get that and i can at least appreciate him as a villain because of that you know who else uh was trying to to uh uh right wrongs that had been on in the past ivan vanko you may not remember him but he was mickey rourke mickey rourke was him in iron man 2 whiplash I mean, it's the same. It's the same argument. Well, I mean, it's yeah, like, Thanos too. I mean, there, there's th- what makes a good, what makes a really good bad guy is the idea that they're coming from a place of good. In my opinion, um, what I think put him into the side of is he going to be an okay guy? Is the fact that he concedes at the end. And says, you're right, let's work together. And then he flips it and says, up oh, until I, they screw up and they need me again. <laughs> I, yeah. And, and to me, what makes a good and compelling villain is that you understand. You understand right. why they're doing what they're doing. And, you know, agree, disagree, but understand is the important thing. And uh, if you, if they're just twirling a mustache and they're evil because they're evil, well, I at least understand that it may not be compelling, but it gets the story going, you know, and but snidely whiplash. Yeah. yeah. Putting was a pure heart, poly pure heart or whatever on the, on the train tracks for Dudley do right to come and, <laughs> and rescue. But yeah. And it, you know, gives your hero something to do. And so Dudley do right always has something to do. He may not do it right, but he has something to do because yeah. Bolly Pureheart or whatever her name is. I can't remember her. I name. mean, he's a he's a he's a mounted he's a he's a mounty. I mean, and they, they, they always, always get their man. Yeah. They always get their man. It, yes, and and he's complex, and he's got you. You can sort of you can have a conversation about him for more than five minutes, and and you know, bat it back and forth. And I think that's what's what's. Do we think we're going to see him again? Name and one? not just in a yeah. And not just in a Black Panther movie? I think it's possible, yes. I mean, especially now that I know that he had such a strong connection to the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So here's here's the problem with this movie. This movie works so well and operates so well on its own. To the mm-hmm. point where the post credit scene is just more of this movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, hey, we're setting up this other thing. We're setting up. Thunderbolts. In, in fact, I think the only thing that is setting up something else is 
uh, a character that shows up about halfway through the movie. And they're totally not needed. No, she's not. Well, even uh, no, uh, he's Ross, not either. Even Ross is not needed. Like they, they no, both no, are just they, they. You know, Ross serves a little bit of a plot device, but could have totally been erased from this movie, and yeah. no one would have even known. And you bring Elaine in, you know, the Contessa, and they were, why does it have to the be way, there? Well, in my notes, I put Elaine. I didn't. I don't even know her name. Contessa Valentina, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Why does she need to be there? Because we've got an ongoing narrative that we have to keep mm-hmm. pushing. And this is the problem with, with phase four is that it's not pushing toward anything we can see what it's mm-hmm. pushing toward. And instead, it's just introducing new characters. And this movie definitely introduces new characters. But then it also, don't forget, don't forget Elaine. Yeah. She's here. And a member of the CIA? Like, I thought she was a dastardly villain. Well, we'll see. I didn't know she was a member of the CIA. Yeah. No, she's director. Well, no, I, well look what happened what asking, to S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> what I'm asking, though, is, was that established in the other movies? We knew that she or, was working for the government right. in a high position. We did not know CIA. Well, maybe we did. I don't remember now. But, I don't think we did. I don't That's think what we I'm did. saying. But it, we didn't need to know. We knew it wasn't S.H.I.E.L.D. Be- right. We knew it was some sort of government. Some sort of shadowy part of the government. But no, apparently it's just the CIA. Which is some sort of shadowy <laughs> part of the government. <laughs> right. So so we touched on Elaine. We touched on oh, Ross. Did you touch on the fact that they were married? Yeah. Again, yeah. we didn't need... It didn't matter. No, I mean, they could have, like, seriously put those scenes into something else. I would have been fine. I agree. I would... It would have been okay to cut now, them out. Really. But... Now. And... If... That information could have been revealed in another project where they were more relevant. But... Whatever. <laughs> now, if... If it is coming out that... Uh, th- what if in Secret War we find out that neither of those two people are actually those two people in their scrolls? That yeah. has some. That could be something, right? She would be an interesting character to have be a scroll that would bring a sense of ominous, ominousness. Mm-hmm. It bring a sense of something. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, that would be interesting. Um, but I don't know. But we can't play that home game right now because it doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah. Given the facts right now, I think those two characters were not needed. The only thing that, that Ross gave us was Riri. That's true. Yeah. But they again, also could have gotten to Riri without him. Very easily. I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, Wakanda can do anything, right? They can tech that tech way better than anyone else can tech that tech. So they could have found her. Um, I, and so I, I don't. And so we have another new character. So and, and obviously Letitia Wright uh, Shuri is not a new character, but this version of Black Panther becomes a new character and in, in a mm-hmm. legacy character. We ha- also have then Ironheart. 
with Riri. I don't know anything about her as a character in the comics. I have not read any comics with her. So that's a complete blank slate for me. So does she fit what I knew about her already? Yep, because I knew nothing about her already. <laughs> All I know is that she's a very popular character in the comics. And and she's, you know, Iron Man level of intelligence and, and yeah. genius and and so did you see the uh when she was cutting out on the steel in that montage there was an iron heart that fell mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was on purpose no yeah yeah it was behind the scenes thing where they're no. like they shot that on purpose instead of just you know some accidental things that happened <laughs> so do you mean that they actually planned to have a heart shape yeah, yeah. fall they're like hey you no. know what her name her character's name is Ironheart. Let's not say let's, her name, but let's show it. Let's use the steel <laughs> so we can cut out some iron. Yeah. I, <laughs> I also feel like she did not need to be in the movie. I was going to say yeah. that, but I didn't know how to. But this I, is what Marvel movies are for, is to introduce a new character mm-hmm. to be in another thing. So you're going to watch and give money or in some cases you're going to watch and give money and watch ads now by the way disney plus adding ads unless you want to pay more they got you in at the run at one price so you can keep that price or you can pay more but you're watching ads if you don't pay more the one thing I will say about the uh, paying more is that it was a yearly price. And so, like, I'm okay with it. Wait, and no ads. It was $4 a month more. Yeah, so but it was I'm not. Year. I'm not sure about the yearly. That's not what it... Well, that's not what they said to me in my so, email. I got $79.99 for a year. Oh, Gotcha. And if I only have to pay that once and not have to worry about paying, you know, eight bucks a year. Well, I couldn't get that yearly (laughs) price. That was an early deal, I think. But. Oh, well then. But see, what happened was they're forcing you to change your your password and your um, username so it matches up with Hulu and everything else. And then when you did that on Disney Plus, it forces you to choose a plan. Mm. So I had to choose and I choose the no ads or the the ads plan, the not paying more plan. What's interesting on the other side of that is uh, Disney. Walt, the Walt Disney Company is investing heavily in the idea that what you watch on they can track what you watch on Disney Plus and then you go to the parks and they can track what you do at the parks and that that in you know the melding of those two things they're going to be able to provide you with um, all of the entertainment anything that you could ever possibly want and so like your my Disney experience login is the same as your Disney Plus login and your cruise line login mm-hmm. yeah. is the same as your Disney Plus and your My Disney Experience login. 
It's all one thing. So, I, I'm not going to say that I'm not into the ecosystem, but it's an ecosystem, and if you dial into it, there it is. Yeah. yeah. What I don't get about Hulu is every time I log in, it's throwing a whole lot of stuff at me that I would never watch. Like most <laughs> the algorithm of it. is awful there. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. like I purposefully went in one day and I went through the TV shows and the movies and such, and put all this stuff that I'm not watching into my my stuff category so I could fix the algorithm. And still, it's throwing a whole bunch of stuff I would never watch at me uh, on the homepage, and I'm like, I really don't like this. Because I have to go hunt for the stuff that I actually would watch. <laughs> okay, so back to this movie, though. Yeah. Um, as I've sidetracked us in a terrible way. but <laughs> Riri Williams is going to be back in Ironheart, uh, yeah. Disney Plus series. And so we get introduced to her here. I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. You know, this is, it's a business and they're trying to make money. And so they're trying to, you know, create synergy so you want to go from one to the other uh okay but i find it interesting They're, they take the suit from her so that means we're going to be starting off with her without a suit probably in the series and will we see ross again i don't know will we see shuri in the series that'd be great um i'd like that just to have some more connectivity that series isn't before secret secret wars is it well, Secret Wars is toward the end. Um, Secret Invasion is the Skrulls series. Right. And that series is like February, right? Yeah, that's fairly soon. But I, I don't okay. I don't remember any dates. So I don't think Ironheart is done yet, is what I'm yeah. or even in production yet. Yeah. So um before we move on, I do want to talk about how I was spoiled about Shuri becoming the next Black Panther. Oh, yeah. Um, so You mentioned that you've been spoiled about something. Yeah. So that that's um, while Ben was at the theater watching the movie, I was watching the 6 o'clock national news. And they had a featurette with um, uh, Letitia Wright and Denai. I'm so sorry. I'm going to but- butcher her name. Uh, Denai... Gurira, who plays Okoye. Um, and they were talking to the two actresses, and Denai turns to Letitia and says, Chadwick would have been proud of you. And then they both broke down, and I was like, oh, Sherry's going to be the next Black Panther, and I have no doubt, because <laughs> because it was definitely a would have, it was a, Chadwick would have been proud of you because you stepped into the, into the part of the Black Panther. And it's nobody's fault. I don't think they realized what they were transmitting to me at that moment, but I, I picked up on it right away. And so I was not surprised when, when it came around time for Shuring having to, to, f- to f- fill in that, that, um, that place in the Wakandan society. But again, that mean that you were spoiled. Yeah. But that wasn't the focus of the movie. And so that's... No. I I was hoping it would be her. I was hoping that she was the one that would take this suit. And 
but the movie just played it straight and the movie just said we've got this we've got that here's what this is going to be we've got the legacy thing going on here and shuri are you going to do it or not you're the only one that makes sense to be it and and it just it played it straight it really wasn't played as a mystery in the movie other than we're going to get to it when we get to it and then we'll do it yeah and i and i appreciated that I, yeah they they really could have done it as a in a very different way that may not have, have played as well and i was sitting there going the whole time even while she was getting ready to put the suit on i was like is it going to be her or are they going to take it away from her later on you know what i mean it had they done it earlier in the movie i could totally see a situation where she decides not to be black panther and gives it away yeah, yeah, but again, we needed the ancestors thing, and that's yeah. part of what pushed yeah. her was, I want to visit the ancestors because she wanted to see her mother one more time. Yeah, and instead, it was not her mother. It was and who was it, Ben? Ben, can you want to say who it was? Who was it, Ben? Killmonger. Bum bum bum. Yeah. What? Yeah, and, and I'm gonna say this. There's some cool stuff with what he was talking about with her, and he pushed her to doing good. By tempting her to do evil. I am very glad it was not a a Chadwick Boseman CGI. Oh, yeah. Oh no, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Like when they're the, the, they're coming around the they're coming around the um the, the, the throne and I'm like, please don't let it be, please don't let it be, please don't okay, thank God. <laughs> well they had said that they weren't gonna do that though. Oh, I know what they say. We all know what they say. Yeah, and then sometimes but they this get, is they different. Yeah, <laughs> this is different. This was them saying we're not going to do this to Chadwick's legacy. That's d- yeah. That's different is- than saying, "Oh, it's Bruce Banner in Hulkbuster armor." You know that, that's very what? different. In the trailers, it was Hulk running around in. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Infinity yeah, yeah. War or Endgame? I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, but... yeah. It was Infinity War. And then you find out no, it was actually him in Hulkbuster armor, and they did a complete, you know, a trailer that literally they spent, you know, who knows how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to lie to us in the trailer. That this is, I mean, Ryan Coogler saying we're not going to do a digital version of him is mm-hmm. not the same kind of lie that Marvel is going to tell us about plot elements and stuff like that. Right. Right. I'm just glad that they, that they didn't do a princess Leia rogue one thing. Um, yeah. I, not that I don't think it can work. Right. Cause I think it can work, but I don't, I didn't want it right then. You know, we're in the middle of, uh, Shuri's story. We're in the middle of her coming to grips with with all of what's going on. She's lost her mother. She's got to fight for her her uh, country, her kingdom. She's got to uh, a plan. She <sighs> Princess Bride's going through my head right <laughs> now, and it's kind of scary. Uh, but she's got to go through all of this stuff right now. She's got to figure everything out. And to have Chadwick Boseman come in to drop a few little lines of, you know, go get him, kid, 
would have taken away from her strength. I mean, that's one thing about this entire movie is that you want to talk about a female-led action movie? This is a female-led action movie. And it's impressive. Yeah. And and we get some great things out of it and out of uh, Letitia and Angela Bassett and um, the Dora Dora Milaje Okoye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought her her arc was fantastic when she gets stripped of her her generalness her rank. Oh man. Yeah. Want to talk about like fighting to hold back tears and 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 honor among soldiers. I mean, that's that was an impressive scene. Yeah. It it really was. And 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 then through it all, it's again all these different people with different responses to grief. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, Angela Bassett, is she making the right choice? No. Absolutely not. She shouldn't have done that. But she's acting in grief. She's acting in loss. And she gets loss. called out on it. Well, yeah. If, you got to consider where she was coming from, too. I mean, she had already, she had lost her husband. She lost her son. She doesn't know where her daughter is at that moment. She doesn't know if her daughter's alive or dead. Of course she's going to be angry. So I can understand where she's coming from in that moment. At the same time, was it good for Wakanda? No. Because Wakanda needed Okoye at that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also at the same time, did Angela Bassett, Rhonda? No. Ramonda? What was the queen? Ramonda. Did she care one lick about what was good for Wakanda? No. <laughs> not at all. She said she did, but that's not where she was coming from. And that's what emotion does to us is it causes us to act irrationally and do things that aren't in our own best interest or in the best interest of the greater good. You know, the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many in our grief sometimes. And sometimes the one is us. Sometimes the needs of the few are our family. You know, it's not a mathematical equation. Emotion throws the math off and the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the one or the few is the logical mathematical equation, but emotion, grief, anger, they all cause us to act out in ways that aren't for the better betterment of ourselves, that aren't for the betterment of, of the greater good. They are for the needs of the moment. Maybe that's what it is. You know, the, the math of emotion is the needs of the moment outweigh the needs of the people. Um, And it's just, yeah, there's, some sort of uh, pop psychology that people can take out of what I just said there, but I don't, whatever, but you know, but you get the idea of what I'm talking about. And, and again, that's where this movie just feels like it comes from such a genuine emotional place and the characters who are making wrong decisions that you are saying to yourself, don't do that. They're understandable. It's all understandable. And and it works. And so this is where it kind of brings up for me a question. I can't imagine this movie being anything different than what it is. But I know that there is a vocal group of people who, even as the movie was like finished and going to be in theaters next week, saying, you know, recast Chalga. 
T'Challa. Oh, and yeah. And I was like, you I, are two years too late to even come up and start that conversation. <laughs> I Here's the thing. When they started making this movie, I don't think that was even in their mind that they could. And and then people are complaining, well, you recast General Ross because Harrison Ford is going to be General Ross because uh, I can't remember the actor's name who passed away. Um but we can recast him. Why can't we recast T'Challa? There's lots of other T'Challa stories in the comics. And I'm just like, first of all, the MCU doesn't follow the comics. It takes the comics and it takes some titles and a couple ideas and throws everything away. Like you could still do those stories or whatever, but we, in my opinion, William Hurt. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> in my opinion, you can't and couldn't and shouldn't recast Chadwick Boseman because he was, not just the role. He wasn't just a Christopher Reeve doing Superman. He was a cultural phenomenon. He was uh, an incredible force. And he was friends with the people who were going to make this movie. Like good friends yeah. with them. And so I, mean, I know what you're saying about Christopher Reeve, but Christopher Reeve was probably the closest. <laughs> To this, to the, what you're trying to say, you cannot separate Chadwick Boseman from T'Challa. You cannot. Yeah. I, I, it's not a Batman situation where Batman was a cultural phenomenon uh -huh. and Michael Keaton was there, uh -huh. but the cultural phenomenon did not come from him. It came from marketing, you know, Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa was a cultural phenomenon because of the movie they made, the way they made it, the people behind it, the way it represented a, a, a whole people group of, of kids who were able to say, there's someone on the screen who looks like me. Can they recast T'Challa? Yes. When they reboot the Marvel universe, then, you know, make a new movie, you know, but like moving from Christopher Reeve to, um, Brandon Routh was that his name? Routh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was Superman Returns. It worked, but it wasn't great, and it wasn't. I didn't look at that and say that's the man that I saw on the screen when I was four years old or three years old in the theater. It was oh, he's doing a pretty good impression of Christopher Reeve. This is working, kind of. And then you move to uh, <laughs> why can't I think of his name? Man of Steel, Henry Cavill. Henry Cavill. You move to Henry Cavill, and it's a different the worst character. Superman movie ever. I would disagree. <laughs> I would disagree. Because Quest for Peace is out there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but, but Quest for Peace has Christopher Reeve yeah. in it. Which is the one reason that it's watchable for me. Which sets it above Man of Steel. I don't know anyway. about that. But no, anyway. I disagree with but, that heartily. Here's the other thing. Here's the other thing about the Chadwick Boseman T'Challa Black Panther thing. Chadwick Boseman knew all of what you were saying and embraced it. Whether or not Christopher Reeve did it, whether or not Michael Keaton did it, you know, uh, 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 Daniel Craig is James Bond, whatever. Chadwick Boseman looked at T'Challa and said, that... I have something special in my hands and I need to protect it. And he, you watch the original Black Panther movie 
every frame of that movie he's holding himself as a king yes not as a not as a guy playing a character but as royalty and it's it's a tour de force performance i mean even the the voice work that he did in what if was in that same vein i mean he held himself so high on on that to such a, to such a high standard to play that character. When they had to make the choice to do this, they made the right choice. Yes. They made the right choice for that moment when they decided to make this movie. That's it was an emotional choice. Uh it was the choice to we are going to continue his story, we're going to make a movie about his legacy and you know it starts out with that that purple Marvel logo where it's all of the Chadwick Boseman stuff. That's awesome. Oh, and it was at the end. Silent. You have the title. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The title card at the end saying it was for him, you know, like all mm-hmm. this stuff, they made the right choice. If they had waited what? until a less emotional time, maybe, maybe they could have made a movie that was strong, but it wouldn't have been this movie that was strong in this way. Mm-hmm. And maybe they could have made another movie that's like, you know, that would be in the top 15 of the Marvel movies, but they would never have had the same acting choices that he would have made the same presence, whatever actor they brought in, however good they were, they weren't going to be able to do it in the same way. It would have been Brandon Roush or whatever his name is doing Superman returns, which is not a terrible movie, but it's not a great movie. It's not a good movie. It's good because, yeah, they're trying to, you know, continue the legacy of that character that we care about from Christopher Reeve. But the only reason they were doing that was because it was Christopher Reeve doing what he did. And, you know, and whether it worked or not, it was a love letter to that stuff. I would feel like we would just have an actor who would be stepping into some very big shoes and trying to be a character that. You know, it, it just would have felt different. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I can't speak to the cultural pride in the character. I can't speak to that because we are, you know, we're, we're not black, you know, we're, we're, but yeah. we can appreciate what we saw and we can appreciate what we see in our friends who look at this movie and say, oh, again, my, 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 my buddy whose son looked at that movie and said there was someone on the screen who looked like me mm-hmm. and it was a hero. You know, and and I will never want to take that away from him. Um, and that if there was one thing about this movie, it was that, you know, they were paying homage to that legacy. And it works and it was good yeah. and it was touching and it was moving and yeah, it worked. And I also really appreciated how they also continued his legacy in the mid credit scene. So, uh, so yeah. much of this movie is about grief, yeah. and then in the mid credit, you realize there's a bit of hope out there. His his legacy will continue. I'm also pretty impressed and very glad they made it. <sighs> For lack of a better term, you know, 
right, right? It's not like he went out and had an illegitimate child somewhere. He had... Okay, so we're going to talk about it. Uh, she's sitting on the beach. Um, his... What's Nikita? Nikia? Nakia. Nakia walks in with T'Challa's son, who we all know is T'Challa's son because we're we're pretty savvy film Because <laughs> we're not point. stupid and we've been to movies before. <laughs> right. And 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 but what's great about it was you get the sense that he had this entire life outside of being the king of Wakanda. He was able to go to hey hi. High 80, which 80. I didn't realize. But they all said it high 80. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And they even said it high Asian. Like it was, I had not heard that pronunciation before. And I wonder if that's one of those things like Kiev, where yes, right. this is the people who live there. This is the way they prefer it to be said. And so we're going to honor that in this movie by pronouncing it that okay. way. I, yeah, I yeah. have never heard okay. that before. So, so the. He had this other life. It wasn't like a one night stand. Oh, by the way, this is the new king, you know, to the throne or whatever. And then to have the the child know exactly who they are. That was yeah. another thing about this movie. Tell them who you are. Show them who you are. Be true to yourself. And that I thought was really cool. Now, that kid was really trusting really quick. He's like, can you keep a secret? <laughs> yeah, I can. Okay, I'm going to tell you like the biggest secret ever. I mean, it wasn't a secret anymore, but the kid thought it was. And Well, that's, well, his, that's, I'm trust I mean, you. that's his aunt. You know? Yeah, yeah, but he's can you keep a secret cuz this is a secret he's been forced to hold, you know. Anyway. And also he's 5 <laughs> years old and you know, 5-year-olds with a secret sometimes cannot keep it <laughs> let's be honest she probably told him that you know 10 minutes before they walked out by the way you're the son of a king no not the way he no. says it i think he knew no, but i I'm think kidding. 10 minutes before they went and uh to see shuri i think she told him by the way we're gonna go meet your aunt and you can tell her that you are t'challa's son yeah yeah that's that's accurate yeah and but it also brings up that thing like you were saying where there was a life lived between mm -hmm. these movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we don't get to see it. And that's okay. Yeah. Which once again, I would like to see that first story as a Marvel comic. So you don't have to go through recasting T'Challa, but you can still show Chadwick Boseman's face as T'Challa in this other format that is easily accessible around the world. And we can still get that story. And we can see that he was living this life. I think that would... I'd really like to get that comic. I don't know. I almost want like a novel. Like an in-depth, oh. you know, something that can dive into some to some meat of it. Or just print the script. I mean, yeah. like that's... Yeah. Uh, and I well, feel like that might be even the best way to go. Because it wouldn't create any continuity issues like if because if namor is in yeah. that version you know it wouldn't necessarily be like a, a deleted scene or a well i mean what else were they doing with the remember those prelude comics that they were doing for a long time i don't know if yeah. they had any for this one for this movie but the prelude comics where it's what happened in between the movies or before the movie or whatever and 
this screenplay, I have a feeling there's elements of the screenplay that still carried over. Oh yeah. Did you got that sense too? Cause I, I, I'm sitting there trying to think about like what, what could have carried over. Like, I feel like the whole Namor thing Mm -hmm. was a holdover from the, it, it feels too big to just like, let go. Yeah, I, I feel like that was the plan all along because I think they were kind of building up to be like king versus king. Yeah, I could totally see and, that. And so instead it becomes, you know, Shuri and him and there's, you know, there's a relationship between the two of them, whether it's attraction, which I think that was a part of things yeah. there. and uh, But then also, you know, they are both leaders of a, of a people and... You know, and and then they're also coming down on this uh, loss as well, and they have those connections, and so I feel like this is them saying, "Well, we've got this character; he's going to do this same kind of thing to protect his people." But now, who do we bring into it, and and how do we have him? Because it could have been just as much could have been uh, I can't remember character's name, but Angela Bassett could have had those moments with him that T'Challa would have had as the as the king. But instead, it 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 was this, you know, and and the whole, um, you know, the, the France going after the vibranium and the United States with Toby Ziegler going after the vibranium. I totally see that could have just been like that whole that whole courtroom scene could have just been T'Challa walking mm-hmm. in with the door Milaj mm-hmm. and dropping a mic and leaving. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one question I was left with was, is is Shuri the queen now, or is she the queen regent until her nephew becomes of age? M'Baka is the leader of Wakanda. Is that where they settled it? M'Baku. For the time Wait, being, yeah, because she didn't, she wasn't interested in doing the trial by combat. Right. Okay. But they did so, have that, that arm wrestling scene. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe he's just king for now, and she's the Black Panther. Yeah, I I feel like he's taking advantage of the situation. <laughs> that, <laughs> hey, okay, uh, it's going to be me for now. Uh, who's going to challenge I, me? Well, but I feel like he, she knew that he was going to do that. She sent him. Yeah. 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 Like, he came with the message from her that she wasn't going to come. And then he's like, oh, by the way, hey, <laughs> it's me. But, I mean, and, really, well, I mean, is there anyone else there that is better to fill the role? Because he is a king himself. He's a leader of his And his, you know what? He eats his vegetables. That goes along. Oh, yeah. I love that first scene with him where he walks into the throne room and he's, he's munching on a carrot. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Because they're vegetarians. Yeah. <laughs> and he's also grown as a character, too. Yeah. 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 I... I liked how he was supporting her in this time of need. That's not some, like, I don't feel like the character of M'Baku was in, you know, maybe the original script as this character. He sort of comes in as this big brother, uncle, Mm -hmm. something like that character. And it works really well, really well. Or as a really supportive cousin. Or yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. I, I, yeah, I that actually that relationship between him and Sherry felt organic because I'm sure that between mm-hmm. uh, uh, the first Black Panther movie and the time that 
T'Challa died, I'm sure that their uh, T'Challa and M'Baku's relationship became stronger. Because... Well, you even see that in Infinity War mm-hmm. when they yeah. show up. Yeah, and so it, it it felt natural, like you guys said, that he would sort of become the surrogate big brother to Shuri. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what doesn't feel natural is the... Um, what I'm about to say right now, which is we have to move to notes now and make sure that we've covered what you want to cover because we are going to need to shut this down soon. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, What doesn't feel natural is that. Okay. Um, I do have some continuity, continuity issues that I, that I noticed during the movie. Okay. So Okoye and Ayo, who are, um, are the two, uh, the more I'm, Dora Milaje, thank you. I'm so sorry I butch- butchered that. Um, towards the final fight, they suddenly know Spanish? Or Mayan? Or the Tolokan language? What? I feel like they would have known that already. That doesn't make sense, because this is like a civilization that's like base. They have isolated themselves. So I doubt there's a Duolingo language translation there and also you cannot learn a whole language in a week so i feel like there was something there that was edited out for the sake of ross and Con- elaine <laughs> that would be that yeah that would be interesting i chalked that up to uh the dora milage Slash Wakandans being super smart and super tech savvy and everything. I mean, they had so, the real time translation. Yeah, but I would rather would have had the real time translation as opposed to, oh, I just start- suddenly learned your language and I'm fluent in it now. What happened is. No. They put an actual babblefish in oh, their gosh, ears. Oh, gosh, stop it. <laughs> ben. ben. Ben, I'm, no there I'm there with you. I'm there with you. Anyways, and also the other continuity I had was just with Shuri's hair during that week in between the challenge to a, a, a fight uh, with the uh, Talakans. Um, so she, she could mourn the loss of her mother. Her hair changes like three times. And she had... I was like, okay, where is she? She 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 would have spent half the week changing her hair. <laughs> There's one thing I'm not going to comment on. Well, I, I understand, and that is I understand because it's African hair. But I mean, I have a I actually do have a tiny smidge working with African hair because I did as a teenager spend a summer as a babysitter for a family, and uh, for an African American family, and. Uh, ha- I did spend a lot of time working with their daughter's hair, and I wasn't very good with it. I'm, I, I admit it. I'm, I wasn't good with it at all. But it takes time to really work with with African hair, and I mean, I've I've known women who would spend all Saturday for twelve hours just having their hair done. But did you know anyone who has a suit? that can make a mask appear and disappear out of nowhere in a split <laughs> second. 
Because if you did, then you would also know somebody who probably could just have a device that they just stick their head up in it and it just does the hair and you pull your head out and it's done. <laughs> so we know. Yeah, I realize that. It's just she changed her hairstyle three times. I just wish that during that, that sequence that they had consciously gone in and made sure that she had one consistent hairstyle throughout the week like the hairstyle that she had at the funeral that would have been fine but she changed from the funeral there was a lot of time between the funeral no it was a week it was stated specifically there was a week that they could mourn before they had to fight the Talakans again oh that funeral yeah the mom's the mom's funeral yeah Ramonda's funeral and so I mean, I I I I, I get yeah. what you're saying, but again, we're accepting the fact that people can fly. We're accepting <laughs> we're accepting nanotechnology that allows claw, claws to pop out of fingertips, and that will dig into the steel wall so she can climb a wall. Uh, and the, the hair that- is. The hair is the least of, of our worries. Mm, I think. It, it it's it bothers me. <laughs> it really does. Well, I I I on behalf of Black Panther Wakanda Forever, I I, I am sorry. <laughs> and I also feel like you know, even in Wakanda, that would still be an occupation. Like hairstylist is still like an occupation that they would still have because there are some things you just cannot leave a computer left alone to do. <laughs> I would disagree about the computers in Wakanda though cuz those are some pretty amazing That's machines true. that do That's true. some pretty amazing things. Yeah. So. Um why are all water-based people blue? Um because of a thing called uh methemo uh, which is an actual thing. Um it's a condition that's a very extremely rare. It's where the blood cells can't process oxygen properly. Um, or actually, I think in in the movie, it's loosely based on this this actual phenomenon, um, and there actually is a cure for it. Because um, underwater, they were not. Yeah, blue. underwater, they were not blue. But when they when they huh. uh, came up to the surface, they weren't able to uh, to uh, process oxygen the same way, and so they would turn blue. So I think that's that's and- where they. Uh, this there, methylene. There's some really cool things like that. Yeah. Little details. Yeah. With and the, the fact that they were wearing like water masks. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they take it, pour the water out, put it on Shuri, and it's it's an oxygen filter. Yeah. That right. Allows her to breathe underwater. Yeah, I thought that was cool. I thought I I was asking it as a kind of a a joke, but I'm legit impressed that you had an answer, and that's relatively scientific. And here I am thinking that this is going to be, you know, Deep Impact, Armageddon, Avatar 2, Black Panther 2, you know, type of thing. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about it, um, that's a long word and I'm not going to try to say it again. Um, <laughs> but if you just go to Google and you you Google Blue People of Kentucky, it'll take you straight to this one family who... Half the members were born blue and they had all these heart issues and and other cardio, cardiovascular issues. And there was a doctor who actually found a cure for them, I think, in the 1920s. And, and listeners, yeah, it, it's a really cool story. Samantha's pulling all of this off the cuff. 
Like, we didn't rehearse any of this. Oh, this is a story I've known for years. Right. So, like, she was able to pull all of this, like, right out of the air. So, bravo to Samantha for that. I was setting it up for a snarky, jokey comment. Or was it the 1920s? It might have been the 1820s. I can't remember. But anyways, um, but yeah, I did hear about the story a long time ago. And I did have to Google blue people of Kentucky, Kentucky so I could... Look up this big fancy word for the condition that they had, um, but I think that this condition also, is the basis for some cultures actually having in their mythos or or in their religion blue people, such as the Hindu religion. Also, in the Marvel comics, the Atlanteans are all blue. Ah, okay, except for Damor, because he's partially Homo sapien. He's yeah, he's half human, right? And yeah. So he calls out the fact that he is a mutant. He says, I am a mutant. What, what do we think that's going to have any sort of ripples later on? Down I think the they're soft serving as the, the X-Men. Well, I mean, this is the what third character <laughs> that could take that label. So we had professor X, but that's an alternate in, universe from multiverse. Well, yeah. but he was a Hester? mutant who was on screen True. And we have Ms. Marvel, who has a mutation. <laughs> they didn't call her a mutant, but they said she had a mutation. And it served no purpose to and, the story whatsoever. Yeah, and then he says, I am a mutant, and then the music played. Not really. Yeah. It <laughs> but it did for Ms. Marvel. But um, but no, he actually labels himself as a mutant. Because they all use the, you know, the the magic unobtainian stuff to <laughs> to turn into uh speaking of avatar. Yeah, but they they use the magic stuff to turn into people who could breathe underwater, but he's born in the middle of that and he has the wings on his legs that allow him to fly and so he is a, a mutant. And he has the pointy ears going hey. to heaven and he's also the serpent yeah. god which Yeah. Uh which it never made any sense to me or many other people that underwater fish man would have wings <laughs> on his feet that allow him to fly. It looks cool and it fits in with all the whole, you know, Mercury as a, you know, a, a symbol of Greek mythology, but it's never made sense. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> There were a lot of drugs when writing the original. Uh, I would say in, in not for Namor. Not for, I mean, I, yeah, that was, Namor was early on. You're talking about like the Marvel bullpen during the 70s. Yeah. There was a lot going on, but not when Namor was created. Mm. Mm. I'm totally okay with them changing uh, from the Atlanteans to the Talakans. I'm because. There's a, there's enough white superheroes on the screen. I mean, let's bring in some more color. I like I like and, more and color yeah. in 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 my smorgasbord of you know superhero movies. So I'm I'm totally on board. One yeah, and so you've got this character who is a legacy character who has come in conflict with and worked with. Black Panther. So Namor and Black Panther T'Challa were both in the Illuminati with Doctor Strange and Professor X and Tony Stark. And so now we've we've got full representation from that group. But Namor was in the first Marvel comic called Marvel Comics that had uh, Namor and um, Human Torch and a couple other characters who were really cool. A character called Angel. 
uh, I think Angel was in that, but it's not the mutant Angel. It's a different one. Um, but he is a Marvel legacy character. There's a part of me that wishes there could have been a little more of a wink and a nod to that. But I mean, I guess putting wings on his feet was enough of a wink and a nod. Like they did not MCU this guy. Well, like they did not give us a real world explanation for the wings on his feet while allowing him to fly. He just did it. And if you're going to do it, like that's probably the best thing to do. Cause how do you explain that one scientifically? You ain't gonna. It's a mutation. It, it just won't work. Yeah. yeah, he, yeah he's a mutant. Yeah. So that I accept. I thought actually, I think that's a that did not feel shoehorned. That felt organic to this version of Namor. Well, and again, he's been called the Marvel Universe's first mutant. Yeah. Even though he wasn't the first one to be called a mutant, you know that that does go to the X Men, I think, but um. Oh no, there 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 might have been a comic with a, a mutant that was like one of those horror anthology books that they did. But but anyway, as one of the first Marvel characters ever, and then for them to make the realization, like, okay, he's not blue, he's got wings on his feet, that's a mutant. <laughs> like he's it's a mutation. So they could call him a mutant. And yeah. And he carried that title like of of the first mutant since then. It'll be interesting to see if we get him again. It will be. Hmm. They've left him in a place where they can use him, uh, but don't need to if they don't want to. Yeah. All right. Okay. Look at your notes again. His own Disney Plus. <laughs> My um, notes are done. Okay. The explanation of the name Namor. I thought that was cool. That worked. That was MCU. Yes, and it did work. Yeah. yeah. No Amor. Namor. Yeah. So. I'm yeah. cool with that. All right. Well, I think that leads us to the point where it's time for our final words. Uh, yeah. Thanks, guys, listening for this show that we like doing and joining us and having conversations with us. I really appreciate it. And I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, Julie... Dave, Blessed Cheesemaker, Tazzle, Jeffrey, and Andrew, thank you very much. Yes, thank you very much. And if you are one of our Patreon patrons, if you go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven, you can support the show there. Uh, at any level, you get early access to episodes like this one with a added bonus of uh, we keep all the rabbit trails in <laughs> and we it's it's unedited it goes out very quick i shouldn't say it's unedited so there are some cleanup things i have to do every once in a while but um yeah and so you could have heard this episode i don't know a week earlier i don't know because samantha hasn't edited yet so i, I can't see into the future but um yeah so please you know this is that's one way to support the show it's one way to help us uh we just had our our um our hosting bill came up and i had to pay that and I was able to pay it without having to worry about my other bills because I was able to use money from, from our patrons. So I just want to say thank you as well. And my final words are going to be pretty simple. I, I can think of no better final word for this episode other than to say thank you for listening. <laughs> thank you for spending time with us. And as always, Wakanda forever.
Thanks for listening to Welcome to Level 7. You've heard from us. Now we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voicemail by calling 1-775-5-LEVEL-7. That's 1-775-553-8357. Or send us an email. Just send it to studioavery at gmail.com. You can also join us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out. And don't forget, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven. The seven is spelled out and become a Patreon supporter there. Get early access to episodes, get bonus material that doesn't go out on the regular feed. And if you do that, thank you so much. But once again, I want to thank everyone for joining us in the conversation. Thanks for listening and Godspeed. We didn't decide what our uh, post credit was going to be. Grogu and the little mites. <laughs> Did you watch that story? St- Spirited Away. I haven't watched Grogu in forever, and I didn't watch the Miyazaki thing okay. yet. It's, 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 it's literally three minutes yeah. long with credits. Yeah. Like, that's a. Uh, it was not what I expected at all. Uh, well, we could do a live watch <laughs> of it. Uh, yeah. I I let's let me put it this way. I was expecting something more along the lines of I am Groot. And it wasn't even that. It was just this kind of three minute I mean they call it Zen, right? It's Zen, I think colon or dash or something, Zen, Grogu and the Dust Mites. Mm-hmm. And it really is if it had been longer, I feel like it would have been like just one of those where you just Watch it and let yourself drift along with it. You know, it's just cute things doing cute things. It wasn't what I expected, which was I am Groot style of thing where you have this cute character getting into mischief. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. I mean, even the background, it's not a location. It's just a a texture. I think it was hand-drawn animation. It looked like it. It was. No, it was. That was... Uh, one of the selling points. And yeah. Yeah. I, I just, when, when I started seeing what it was, where you got the dust mites from uh, Spirit, well, uh, Totoro has them as well. Um, but you have those dust mite characters, and I'm just like, wait a minute. Is this going to be him like getting annoyed by the dust mites? This could be cute. And then it's just, I don't know, they're interacting, but it's nowhere near what I thought as far as like plot or story. It's just, yeah, cute things doing cute things. Yeah, it's just Grogu just dancing around with the little dust bunnies. I'm watching it yeah. now. It's, well, I it's mean. It's really cute meditative sort of. Mm-hmm. I do like how the they have done some Zen things like that. Um, that are, are just cute things doing cute things or. Pretty things being pretty. Yeah. Although I, I, I will question, I don't know if Grogu is Zen. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 Grogu as a visual image. It's not right. Grogu as a character here. Uh, this right. is this is for the person who, yes, they may have liked Grogu in the in the show, but they like Grogu more as a plushie on their desk. <laughs> You know, like right. this is this is the video equivalent of a cute character plush. 
I would love to see this as slowed down a screensaver. Oh. You yeah. know what I mean? Or longer. Yeah. Like I I mean it's hand hand animated. It's it's a lot of work went into this. Yeah. Yeah. Um it's you know, but in some ways it's it's a glorified flip book, you know, where it's uh well, well all let's be are, honest uh, miyazaki all movies are glorified flip books <laughs> well that's just it like the the flip book is short because the format you know and to draw one it takes a long time you know and um but that's kind of they gave grogu a flowing yeah. i told you cute things doing cute things So this has become a commentary episode. Now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do appreciate the hand layering and hand drawn animation is super tough. Yeah. And they go back and forth on that. Well, that's done. So, yeah, you got to appreciate, I feel like you got to appreciate hand drawn animation in general, but mm-hmm. what I appreciate about this, and I don't know who, where did this come from? I don't know the, the the genesis behind the project, I should say. But at the same time, it's it's nice and it almost feels like it was a uh, a format experiment to better understand craft. Like if I'm going to learn animation, I should spend some time learning that. And then when you move into computer animation – You've got that background because. Well, it's digital ink and paint camera and composite operator. So it may have been hand drawn, but it was hand drawn on the computer. But it was still somebody having to understand frame by frame. Yeah. 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 So. Um, and the music, Ludwig Gorenson, who did all of the. Uh, the music for Black Panther, he did. He's done all of the music all the time right now. Yeah. <laughs> he did all of Ma- Mandalorian. Well, that makes sense to bring him in for for this then. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like he's like the go-to guy right now. Whereas uh 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 Michael Werewolf by Night. Michael Gis, you know? Yeah. Which I said it wrong, but I said it strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, he was the go-to guy like ten years ago. The Ludwig Gorenson is the go-to guy now. So. Uh, Michael still is. I mean, he did Jurassic World, Dominion. Yeah. I mean, he he does. What I like about Ludwig would be that he took genre and played mm-hmm. with it. What Giacino does is takes. Um, composer and a movie and and apes it and and does, like he did the john williams thing with the jurassic world movies and mm-hmm. um yeah and then there's bear mccreary who's also up there yeah him and bear and his stuff. drums <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah he was behind Battlestar Galactica. That's where I first discovered him. And man, did he do some amazing things there. Mm-hmm. So. Is he also Buffy? That Bear I don't McCreary? know. Oh, that's news to me. But he's, he's done a lot of May- stuff. 
And he he's just I'll I'll sit there and listen to anything he's written. Even wrong turn two. Even wrong turn two. All right. Uh, that is our post credit. I need to go to bed. It is a yeah. this is our episode. I thank you so much for listening. Stuart, Samantha, I thank you so much for talking. And the episode is going to be shorter than the movie. So that's good. <laughs> <laughs> the movie was two and a half hours. So it Oh really? Because I got the well, two hours I mean, fifty minutes. It was almost three hours. What? Yeah. Is it not? I think it was like two twenty. It was longer than that. I thought I saw something that said it was two and a half. Two thirty-two. Is it two thirty-two? Okay, maybe in my head I was adding in the twenty minutes for friggin' trailers. Well, yeah, you always got to add that. Two forty-one is what I'm finding. Well, then there you go. Somewhere in the middle. It's long. It's a long movie, yeah. But because there was only a mid-credit scene and not a post-credit scene, we didn't have to sit through 30 minutes of credits to get to the... I still sat through them. I didn't, but I had kids I needed to get home, so it was late. All right, I'm going to hit the stop right about now, and I'm just going to leave it with, again, thank you. Good night. Talk to you guys later. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.